What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Nothing But Net. This week, you got me and Dom, so I hope you're happy with that. If not, well, that's your fault. It sucks. <laughs> so we're going to talk about some basketball. Um, obviously, we're going to do our traditional first, second, third, and fourth quarter. This week, we decided to spice it up and add a buzzer beater section. We're going to do a overreaction or a not overreaction section in that buzzer beater section this week. So um, we're going to get right into it. Obviously, first quarter is going to be who's hot and who's not. So, Dom, who is your who's hot and who's not this week? Uh, my who's hot is definitely the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now the number two seed in the Eastern Conference, four-game win, four winning streak. They are 8-2 and two in the last 10 games. They are looking amazing right now. And my who's not is the Sacramento Kings because I have no idea what their front office is doing, and they just do not look good. <laughs> they do not look good one bit. Yeah, honestly, those were probably mine, but I'll, I'll pick a little bit of a different one. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> um, I, think, I think, honestly, I think the Suns are probably going to continue just to be who's hot for me, you know, every week. So I'll try to pick something different, but because um, Dom went with the ones that I got, I'm going to go with the Suns. I just think that they're so versatile. They have so many guys that they can go to, and they're going to be a hard team to beat this year, and I, I really enjoy watching them. Chris Paul and Devin Booker are putting on a show. I think DeAndre Ayton has to kind of step his game up. I think he's kind of figuring out what role he needs to fit into, and once he figures that out, I think that team will be even better. But um, for the who's not, obviously I would love to see say the Kings because just because of what they did um, at the trade deadline, but we'll kind of get into that a little bit later. I think for me, it's going to be the Washington Wizards. They've been kind of disappointed um, this year. And at the beginning of the year, they, they seem to start a little bit hot, but they've just really fizzled out. And I don't know. I, I, I liked that they were, you know, good. I think that Bradley Beal, you know, deserves a chance in the playoffs. But we'll kind of see what happens after this trade deadline. Obviously, they went out there and got Porzingis. So we'll kind of see if that helps them out or not I don't know but you know so that's that's kind of my different who's hot and who's not obviously I think I agreed with Dom more than mine but (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what one team to watch out for though um the Toronto Raptors yeah they're kind of flying under the radar but they're nine in one of the last 10 games Mm -hmm. and they're they're currently up to the sixth seed in the east I think they're a team to watch out for yeah they kind of figured it out which was I don't know I think they were dealing with a little bit of injuries but They've kind of figured it out, so maybe. And obviously, Fred Van Fleet has been just mm-hmm. here. So, yeah. Obviously, with our second quarter, we're going to talk about our home teams. And since Dom and I are both Cavaliers fans, um, I'll let Dom go ahead and, and talk about the Cavs this week since I got to talk about them last week. Um, I mean, there's not really much else to add other than that's what already been said. They are looking phenomenal, uh, bringing Karis LeVert for pretty much nothing is an amazing move by Colby Altman. I think he's done an amazing job with this team the last couple of years. He's drafted well. Um, we're seeing, you know, the the team just grow in front of our eyes. And the, the way that they've grown so quickly this year is amazing. Uh, they're looking fantastic. I think Karis Levert adds something to this team that was desperately needed, which was kind of like an instant offense. You know, they they have guys that can make shots, but they don't have guys that can really create their own shot. And I think Karis LeVert fills that void of what I think Colin Sexton was supposed to be on this team. And I think if we can get Colin Sexton back for the playoffs, because I think we're pretty much guaranteed a playoff spot at this point, if we can get him back along with Karis LeVert, I think this is going to be a pretty dangerous team in the playoffs. But I, I think we're, we're going to finish around the top three in the East. I think they're going to keep it up. Yeah, definitely. I I know when um you were on Ohio versus uh, what last week, um we mm. talked about we talked about that sustained success and you know obviously in the past the 
Cavs weren't always great at, you know, building teams and, and making the right picks and making the right decisions when it came to free agency. And it just seems like they've started to compile good decision after good decision after good decision. And that's starting to reflect, you know what I mean? Cleveland is a, is a city that deserves to be, you know, in the playoffs, especially when you talk about basketball and the history that we have over the past, you know, 20 years, especially since LeBron got there. So I think that this is amazing that, you know, as fans, we have this opportunity to watch a playoff team again and watch a team that hopefully, like I said, can keep this sustained success going forward. I think if they can keep these guys together for a long time and, you know, Bakerstaff can continue to breed a, you know, all for all for one kind of mentality where these guys are going to play for each other every single night. And I think that's going to be winning basketball. You know, you see teams that are true championship contending teams like the Suns and the Warriors, and they play that selfless basketball. And if this team can continue to do that, I think that we could see a true championship contender team every year for them forever, how long that this continues. And I tell you what, it's really nice to see the team do this well without LeBron. Because, mm-hmm. yes, it, it was nice to have him here. Obviously, he's, you know, arguably the greatest of all time. That's a debate for another episode. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, as long as we've been alive, they've only been good when LeBron's been on the team. And when he wasn't been on, and when he hasn't been on the team, they've been, you know, top three, top four draft pick every year. So it's nice that all the picks that they've compiled, all the trades that they've made have finally worked out. And I think that this team is, like I said, in Ohio verse, they're built for the long haul. I think we're far enough into the season now where this isn't just a hot streak. You know, throughout the season, every team is going to go on a little bit of a run where they'll go, you know, seven and three in, in 10 games and whatnot. But we're in the middle of February. We got the playoffs starting in about two months. They're second in the East. You know, th- this isn't just an anomaly. I think this is for real. We'll keep talking about them going forward, obviously, on this show and then Ohio verse. So definitely tune in if you're Cavs fans and, you know, watch some games. This is a fun team to watch. Like I said, they play a lot of selfless basketball and, you know, they they almost kind of remind me of I don't want to compare them to this because there's so many Hall of Famers on that team. But if you watched, you know, the early, you know, 2000 Spurs um, with Janelle mm-hmm. Parker and Tim Duncan, it just, you know, the 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 defense on the inside, you know, the smart methodical passing and, and playing for each other. I think that, you know, hopefully that's, you know, they're taking inspiration from that. And, um, and like I said, just continue doing that. Cause I think we've seen that that's the best recipe to win. I mean, I think that's really how the bucks kind of pulled together and won against the, you know, the Suns last year, they, they played selfless basketball and, and Giannis has kind of learned to, to be more of a facilitator with the ball as well too. So if you can do that, then, like I said, you'll have great success. But to move on to kind of what we're going to call the meat of our episode here in our third quarter, so we're going to ramp it up after halftime. We're going to go over some NBA news and updates. Obviously, we're going to talk about the trade deadline, the all-star break, and then we're going to talk about who's under the most pressure. But to start off, we're going to go with the trade deadline. I kind of want to know – you know, obviously from the teams who actually made a trade, I want to know who's your winners and who's your losers, Dom. Well, pretty clearly, I think the winners are the Brooklyn Nets and the losers. It's a tie between the Sacramento Kings and the Philadelphia 76ers. You think the Sixers lost? I think so. I think they they went from wanting two firsts for um, Ben Simmons to giving up Ben Simmons two firsts one of the best shooters in the league in Seth Curry um, and Andre Drummond, who fills the the big man void that the, that the Nets desperately needed. You know, you look at the Nets, you traded away a dude that is injury prone and didn't want to be there and was going to leave in four months anyways. And you got Ben Simmons, you got your new starting center, you got a dude that can come off the bench and just drain threes all day. And you got two future first round picks for a dude that didn't want to be there and was going to leave in four months anyways. I think that's, that's a phenomenal deal. I don't, I wouldn't say the 76ers lost though. Cause this, cause this is what I'll say. The 76ers. He, the 76ers how, how quickly can he lose weight? Is he no longer injured? Is his injury problems going to just disappear? 
I don't think now he was they, ever, in Philly. I don't think he was ever really injured. I think that hamstring injury that he had, I think that was more of a hey, I'm kind of done. I'm not going to put my body on the line. Try to get me a trade and get me out of here. Um, and it's that it's that I, attitude why he's never won anything. I, I think the biggest thing with James Harden that you're going to have to see is, is when he gets unhappy, like you said, he kind of self-sabotages. And is, is he going to be happy in, you know, Philly? I think, no. I think that's, that's the question. But I think, I think if he can come out – and the injury-prone thing, I think that's a bunch of BS because he was never injury-prone before he, before he wanted out of Houston. And – I don't think those were real injuries either. I think those were like little things where he's like, yo, give me, give me the F out of here. I'm done. And then when he showed up in, in uh, Brooklyn, he was fine. He was in shape. He was playing good basketball. Obviously I think he had that, you know, that injury last year. That was like a, you know, a one-time injury. Like look at LeBron. Nobody ever said he's injury prone. He's only had one big injury in his you know career. And I think that was James Harden's one big injury. But I think when, like you said, when he gets, when he gets unhappy in a situation, he um he so self-sabotages. In- he's, he's he self sabotages. I think honestly the Nets the Nets and the 76ers to me um I don't think either of them are the biggest winners of the trade deadline but I do think that they're they're both one because I think the 76ers unloaded a dude that was never going to play for them and they brought in a guy that is going to play for them. Um, so in my, in my opinion, that, that is a win. Now I do think the Nets won the trade, like you said, because obviously if Ben Simmons plays and he plays to the ability that we know he can play at, um, even at worst, if he doesn't shoot and he just goes back to, you know, being an inside threat, I think that that's, that's a, that's an amazing deal for them because he fills a void that they really don't have. Obviously, like you said, Andre Drummond's going to fill, you know, a starting center void that they don't have that Kevin Durant doesn't have to play. And then getting Seth Curry is huge off the bench. He was having a phenomenal season. I think that was one guy that the 76ers shouldn't have let go. Uh, And then two future first-round picks. I don't think the first-round picks really matter because I think one is protected. And then anyway, they're going to be late in the first round. To Yeah, but it it gives them more tradable assets that they could package to bring in other players. No, yes, and I I agree. And and the the 76ers gave up a lot of depth. It's really just going to be – how far can just James Harden and Joel Embiid carry a team? Because there's there's no bench depth at all. Yeah, and is it is it it is interesting. I I I don't know why they valued. I think Daryl Morey just kind of saw like, yo, let me just get James Harden, let me get him in the building, and we'll be fine. And like I said, I I think I think he's so he's not he's not playing like the first three or four games so in my mind that's him he's gonna go out there get right when we see him next he's gonna be in shape like he like basically what happened when he got traded to the nets he got in shape he went out there and he was balling out so it also he's still probably gonna opt out of his deal and when he does that that's a big contract that comes off the books and that opens up a lot of cap space that the 76ers can use to bring in a bunch of other players or they can just bring back James Harden if they want to, but yeah, like I said, I think I think honestly the 76ers, I don't think they're losers because they got rid of Ben Simmons. They got rid of somebody who is was a, a problem in the locker room. He was causing way too much issues, and I think honestly we're looking at James Harden and seeing that he's he's the one that is a problem. But realistically, you have to see what he was dealing with there in Brooklyn. He's dealing with Kyrie and all his BS and all that stuff. And he went there, he wanted to go there to win and they're not winning. You know, they're kind of, they're kind of almost like in a Lakers situation where like, you're like, ah, it's really dependent on, you know, that's, that's his fault. Three guys to go so I think that, but at the end of the day, it shouldn't be like that. You should, you should have those three guys and that should be enough to, to win a championship. I mean, you look at the Lakers, those three guys should be enough. Obviously Westbrook's not doing what he needs to do. And then Anthony Davis is, is can't stay healthy, but well, I think we're underestimating how much topic down the road. But I don't, like I said, I don't, I don't think those guys are are your. I don't think any of those guys are losers. I don't think they remain winners. I do agree with you that that the biggest losers of the week are the Sacramento Kings, because who the heck even knows why they did what they did? Obviously, we're going to get into that a little bit later. But for me, they they are my biggest losers. Yeah. Um, I think my biggest winner might be, it might be, it's a tie between I think the Cavs. 
did a phenomenal job bringing in Karis LeVert because, like you said, mm-hmm. they got they got a an instant scorer who's going to be able to get you twenty a night, and then when Sexton comes back in the playoffs, he's going to be able to get you you know. 16, 17 a night, if not maybe 20, if he goes back to that. Obviously, it's going to take him time to ramp back up. But having those two guys, you know what I mean, going forward for this season, I think that's going to be huge in their playoff push. And then I think the Mavs won by getting rid of Porzingis. I think mm-hmm. bringing in, you know, Berton's contract kind of sucks, but getting rid of Porzingis and his attitude and his – he just – you can't you can't count on him to be there. You know what I mean? At least with Bertans, you can count on him to be there and play games. So, and they were able to get um, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, so who I think is a, a very versatile scorer. We've seen him do it before. I just oh, he's he's a very underrated player. I think that's a good pickup for him. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think he'll play well next to Luca and, and Luca's passing abilities. So I think that the even Dinwiddie's passing abilities. Hmm? He's pretty underrated as a passer, Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, yeah. So and. Like I said, I, I think I think that they're they're tied with the Cavs for me for winning. I guess um, another thing for the trade deadline, I did want to talk about a team that didn't make any moves that probably they didn't really have much to move, um, but they probably should have tried something. How bad, you know, is it that the Lakers didn't make a move in your opinion? Do you think that that this is kind of you know detrimental, or do you think that um, do you think they can figure it out? Uh, I think it's pretty detrimental. I mean, it, it's clearly not working. You know, this is a team that all offseason, all all these players were able to talk about is how they were um, going to contend for a championship and how they were going to be the best team in the league. And here they are at four games under 500 and barely fighting for that ninth and tenth spot in the in the playing tournament. You know, it's clearly not working. Westbrook doesn't fit in with LeBron and AD at all. You got Eighty again, always injured and unreliable, and you got no bench. It's it's just LeBron. It, uh, it it reminds me a lot of LeBron's last year in Cleveland. It's just a LeBron show trying to carry the bench and a bunch of injured dudes to the playoffs. It's funny though, but his last year in Cleveland, he still dragged him to the championship. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean that that's clearly not going to happen because even that team yeah. had more more bench depth than what the what the Lakers have, and they didn't have you know two dudes getting six, seven turnovers a game. But, I mean, you you look at whatever tradable assets the Lakers had, no one was going to want to take on those contracts because they're overpaying so many dudes. I mean, you, I'm bringing up their their roster here. So you got Anthony Davis making 35 mil. You got LeBron making 41. You got Westbrook yeah, making Anthony, Anthony Davis wasn't going to get traded, so. Well, no, I, I'm – I'm looking at the roster. The only trade, like those are really the only tradable assets they have. Like no one's going to really want Stanley Johnson. Kendrick Dunn doesn't really have any trade value. Carmelo Anthony's I'm, I, I'm surprised he's still playing at this point. Kent Bazemore doesn't have any trade value. The only players of any trade value are LeBron Westbrook and AD. And with the size of their contracts, like you're not going to be able to move. Them. Yeah. I don't, so I don't there, there's really Westbrook, nothing. Westbrook could. doesn't have any trade value anyway. And, and I'll say this, I think Westbrook could work with LeBron and AD if he just was more efficient when it came to scoring. The problem is, is you see like his stat lines over the past like five or six games and, you know, he's only making like two, two for 10, you know, four for 12. Like he's not, he's not sure. That's what he's always been. Yes. And, and that was, I think that was the thing at the beginning was like, how how do you why would you trade for a guy who's inefficient i i think people got lost in in the numbers that he was able to put up and just they just didn't look at the inefficiency that that he had like i don't know it's definitely interesting i i think i think at the end of the day i think it might be better if going forward they they go ahead and obviously they're going to start the three of them at the beginning of the game but at the four minute mark i think that you take westbrook out and then for the rest of the game, I think that he plays with the second unit. And I think that you try to just do that going forward. And then at the end of the game, you know, in those closing minutes, he's not he's not in the game in the last like four or five minutes of the game. I just think that you you try that for the next like 10 games and see if it works. And I, I don't know, because it just doesn't because he he needs the ball in his hand and he needs to be able to do what he wants. So if you let him do that with the second unit, maybe he'll be a little bit more efficient. 
Um, because it just it just seems like he's taking more like stop and pop mid-range, and that's just not his game. He he drives to the hoop and, and gets layups and um you know draws fouls and stuff like that. So I just think oh. they need to get back to more of that stuff. But I think he has it so ingrained in his brain that he needs to play like he did in OKC, where he was literally <clears throat> the only player on the team. He was getting all the points, all the rebounds, all the assists. So he he's used to dudes, his own teammates getting out of his way so he can get more rebounds. He's used to, you know, being the only scorer, you know, that, yeah. you know, at, at this point of his career, he's 33. Like you can't really teach an old dog new tricks. How, how they play is how they play. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe having him just primarily head that second unit. I think that that would be best, but kind of skipping over. Um, I know, I know Dom are, are talking about the all-star break was kind of the next topic, but I, I wanted to skip down to our pressure section. Um, and kind, okay. of talking, kind of talking about the Lakers. I want to know who you think's under more pressure, you know, going forward after what each team did at the trade deadline. So I have the Lakers, the Nets, and the 76ers. So in your mind, you know, who's under the most pressure to make this work <clears throat> and to go out and win a chip this year? I mean, I think it's clearly got to be the Lakers. Anytime that you have LeBron on your team, Mm -hmm. that's already going to give you a lot of pressure. But you look at the hype that was around this team preseason and like everything that's that's gone on since then with how they've underperformed, the the, the pressure is clearly all on them with, you know. It's funny because I don't, I don't think the hype was there. I think a lot of people questioned the moves. I just think that they People questioned it, but everyone just assumed that, Russ was just going to be able to jump in and be the no. same dude. And yeah. Cause I, I didn't, I mean, I, I know, I know I didn't like that trade. I didn't, I didn't think that like, there, I heard somebody, so I was talking to somebody and they made a comment about like, you know, how are they, how are they losing all these games when they have all these, like, you know, all these like hall of fame, future hall of famers and, you know, all stars on their team. And I'm like, well, a lot of the guys they have are kind of out of their prime. Like in Westbrook really, I think the only reason Westbrook will make the Hall of Fame is just because, you know, the amount of triple doubles that he's been able to put up, but he's always been so inefficient as a player. Like when, like it doesn't get you you have to look at the amount of wins, the amount of success, success somebody's had in the playoffs. And it doesn't matter if you don't like, if you're not able to help lead your team to wins, especially in the playoffs, it doesn't matter how much stats you put up. So that to me just means that you're an inefficient player. You well, know and also just collecting a bunch of all-stars on a team doesn't guarantee success. They have to be able to play together. They have to have chemistry, as you know, we see with the Cavs right now. There's really no superstar on the team. I think Darius Garland is emerging as that guy right now, and I think Mobley will be that guy eventually. But right now, it's just you know dudes that play hard and they play well together. You, you can see the chemistry. There's no chemistry with the Lakers at all. Yeah. And, and honestly, like I, I will always say this, I think the biggest mistake they made was that Westbrook trade that caused them to lose out on um, Caruso. I think that that was their biggest mistake because having Caruso and THT, and even if you still had uh, Malik Monk, who's kind of been balling out as a Malik Monk, um, who's been kind of balling out a little bit for the Lakers, those those like high energy guys coming off the bench, those really help out, um, you know, during the season. So I think losing out of those guys really hurts. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think the but I, I don't I don't know if the Lakers are I think the Nets and the 76ers are under more pressure than the Lakers right at this moment after the trade deadline, just because I think. I think everybody wants to see if this trade is who who won the trade. You know what I mean? Because yeah, if both of these guys, you know, come back and play at, at the potential that we know they can play at, then I think that you could probably make an argument that, you know, both teams made a good trade and, and there was a good deal that went into it, especially if James Harden can come back and, you know, play really well with Embiid. But I think if anything starts to fail, like obviously if Brooklyn starts to have more drama with Ben Simmons and then you you add that to the drama with Kyrie Irving and everything, I think that, you know, I think these are just things that people want to see. And we already know what we're getting with the Lakers. We have a really old squad that's just trying to make it to the playoffs. So then hopefully LeBron can just drag them to the finals. But I, 
I'd, like I said, I think we know what we're getting with them at this point, especially without a trade happening. So I think the most pressure is on the Nets and the 76ers for me. That's fair. Moving on to another team that I kind of – we talked about a little bit, in the, and I wanted to hit on them in this pressure section here is, is the Kings. So obviously <laughs> um, – I think their front office. I I want I want I want to get your opinion on how much pressure you think their front office is at this point. So, over the trade over the past like week or a couple of days that in their trades that they had, so they sent out um, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson, and Marvin Bagley the third, and they brought in Damanis Sabonis, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, Dante Divincenzo, Trey Lyles, and Josh Jackson. Um, I think Josh Jackson was drafted right after. De'Aaron Fox, which is on their who's on their team right now. Um, so obviously he's another young guy. Like he's a young guy. I think Trey Lyles is a young guy. DiVincenzo is only 25. Sabonis is only 25. So they have they they brought in some youth, but they, you know, obviously they got rid of some some guys who people were like, yeah, especially Halliburton. So first of all, what are some, you know, what are some negatives? Are there any positives to what they did? And how much pressure is this front office under, you know, to make this thing work? I mean, I think they're under a lot of pressure. I mean, the Kings are an organization that no one really expects them to be good because they've been bad for so long. But I mean, yes, Sabonis is a good player. Justin Holiday used to be all right. Jeremy Lamb never really did much in his career. DiVincenzo's he's all right. He's good. Trey Lyles, he's he's okay. Josh Jackson you know, doesn't really do anything for me. Halliburton was having an amazing season. He's only 21, clearly the best player on the team. And then you got Buddy Heald, who was one of the better three-point shooters in the game. You gave him up. Tristan Thompson at the end of his career, but still still a really good rebounder, pretty good defensively. And Marvin Bagley was a good young forward. So like you gave up your best player that was going to be your best player for years to come. And he was only, I think he's only 20, 21. And you gave up one of the best shooters in the game. And you gave up a promising young forward for Sabonis, who, yes, he's 25, but he can't really do anything offensively besides dunk and get some close range shots. And you got uh, older Justin Holiday, uh, Jeremy Lamb, that really doesn't really bring anything to the table. And then you got an all right Dante DiVincenzo. Like I, I just don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it at all. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I think I saw something somewhere where they said that you know like Halliburton was you know pretty much a like even if you wanted to say they were in the same spot, him and De'Aaron Fox, like he was kind of emerging as like a better version of De'Aaron Fox. So why not yeah. him out instead and keep Halliburton? And he he's a rookie. He's 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 a rookie this year, and he was already clearly your best player. So no. you just just gave him a, a dude that you just drafted this year. Just no, just give up on him for pretty much. There, I mean the the main guy that they traded for was Sabonis, who yeah, he's he's good, but what what is, what does he bring to the table other than dunks and you know pretty good post game? I think I think honestly, like the Kings for this that this kind of almost makes me feel like they were just looking for a reset. And I don't... You, and again, you, I don't what were you trying to reset? I don't know. I mean, like I said, if, if you're just trying to reset, you know, De'Aaron Fox should have been the one that got sent out instead of Halliburton. You know what yes. I mean? Like, like if you're if you're like, okay, let's, let's try to reset. Let's try to get some... Because obviously, I don't think Marvin Bagley was really having like that good of a career there in Sacramento. Like Tristan Thompson's a piece that's like not super important, you know, Buddy Heald is 29, so he's starting to, you know, 28, 29, so he's pushing 30, so you're like, why don't we trade high on him while we have it, I can understand that, I can get behind those three things, but Halliburton just doesn't make any sense to me, because he's so young, he's already so good, and he can only get better, you know what I mean, so when you talk about, basically, you made that trade to bring in Sabonis, so what does, what does Sabonis do for you, you know, obviously, he gives you a big man that you didn't have, so he gives you that, that interior, you know, defense rebounding, you know, player, and obviously, he's going to be able to give you a little bit of interior offense, but not, not to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm cool with giving up, you know, this young player, maybe if if they gave up De'Aaron Fox, I would have been like, okay, that's still kind of weird, but I can be like, maybe, maybe you're just trying to reshuffle the deck a little bit and 
you know, see if you can create some magic some somewhere. But that's just bad. I don't know. And if, 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 they, if they wanted a reset, just you had Harrison Burns, you could have traded. You could have traded away Maurice Harkless. You could have traded away Rashawn Holmes. Like yeah. dudes that have been there for a while that don't really do anything. Like, well, and <sighs> it was it's, Barnes it's, was good five years ago, but he's not good now. Yeah, and it really sucks because um because when you talk about this trade, like didn't Halliburton he dropped like like almost fifty points like a couple nights before he got traded. Yeah. So, so you're just like I don't know, and and he he gave an interview like in one of his first days there in Indiana, and he was like, yeah, they they told me that that we were gonna build this thing up, and they were going to ride with me and then they literally just traded me away like I was nothing. Yeah. So I like, mean, De'Aaron Fox is only 20, 23, 24. He's 24. Yeah. You know, and Halliburton, he's 6'5, so you can easily move him over to the two. You could have had a, a really good backcourt for the future mm-hmm. in De'Aaron Fox and Halliburton. That could have been a dangerous one two combo. Yeah. But no, they don't want him, I guess. So. I don't know. That's just interesting. I think I think that's going to be something that we kind of look for look at going forward and and see how that worked out. You know, I think I think Indiana did a did a pretty good job. I think obviously Indiana is going into a rebuild mode. I don't know. If, yeah. I, mean, I don't know if they weren't not in a rebuild mode, but but they're clearly going into that rebuild mode now. They they sent a lot of assets away. Um, but by but by bringing in Halliburton, I think that they looked at that and they were like, well. Yep, we're gonna do I that. Mean, <laughs> you 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 mentioned the Kings needing or thinking that they needed to do a reset. The Pacers did a reset and they did it well. Mm-hmm. They they traded away Lavert and they brought in picks that they needed. They traded away or they traded for um, Halliburton, who I mean he was he's a rookie, so you pretty much just got a first round pick for this past draft. So I mean you got picks for the future and you got a guy. That's going to be the, the focal point of the team going forward. That's that's your guy to build around. Like that, like if you're going into a rebuild and you already know that this is our guy that we're going to build a team around, that's huge. So now all you have to do is just find pieces that fit around the dude that you're building your team around. You're not looking for the dude that you're building the team around. They already have him in Halliburton. So I, I think that's that they they did a reset and they did it well. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're gonna get into some more fun topics here. We won't uh you know, crap on the teams that did bad, but <laughs> we're going to have some fun going into this all-star break. I know that it's still um, a, like a couple of weeks away um, or it'll be next week. I think it's it'll next week. It'll be next week. So we'll have another episode before then, but I just kind of wanted to get into it because a lot of the, you know, the players were finalized and the teams were picked and stuff like that. So starting it off, let's, uh, let's start it off pretty, uh, pretty fierce here. Who, who built the better team, LeBron or uh, KD? I mean, LeBron's already had a couple years of GM experience, so I think he built a better team. Um, I mean, just just top to bottom, the team is just absolutely loaded. I mean, you got Giannis, who's the best player in the game, arguably right now. I mean, Steph Curry, Steph Curry, DeMar DeRozan's having an amazing year. Jokic is probably the best center in the game. And then on the bench, I mean, you got Darius Garland, who's having a breakout season. You got Luka. You know, the, the team's just stacked. I think he's got a better team. I can agree. Jim, he has, he has a lot is, of high energy dudes too. So you got yeah. you got Jimmy Butler, you got Donovan Mitchell, you got Fred Van Fleet, you got DeMar DeRozan, you know, Giannis. Those are just like super high energy, you know, fast break kind of guys. And um, so and it looks like you know, KD has has a lot of like guards too. So I think that might he could it could play, you know, well to his favor, but I think LeBron got a lot of really good like got a really good size and athletic, you know, athleticism for his size. Like, you know, DeMar is pretty athletic. Obviously, Giannis is athletic. Jimmy Butler, Donovan Mitchell, they're pretty athletic and they're not super small. And, you know, Luca is not the most athletic guy, but he's still pretty athletic. He's, he's, got yeah, he's an amazing shooter. Yeah. So it'll, I think it'll be a fun game. Listen, it's the all-star game. They're going to be playing, you know, 75%. So I'm not – I'm not too worried about it, but I, I did think like LeBron's undefeated right now as um as an oh, all-star yeah. captain. Like I said, he's he's already had GM experience, and this is the one time where he has pretty much free reign. <laughs> he can just play 2K and just say, all right, I'm going to pick these dudes. So for the next uh, activity, they're going to have an all-star weekend. It's going to be the Rising Stars Challenge. So how this is going to work this year, since it's different, 
Um, they have 28 players that were selected to comprise of 12 rookies, 12 soft sophomore players, and then four members from their NBA G League um, developmental squad. Um, so the basically what will happen is they were drafted onto four teams, um, coached by 75 the 75th anniversary team members of Rick Barry, Gary Payton, Isaiah Thomas, and James Worthy. So each game will be played to a final target score ending with a made basket or a free throw instead of with the clock running out. It'll be a race to 75 to celebrate the 75th anniversary season. So games one and two will be played until a team reaches 50 points. And then game three will be played um, until a team reaches 25 points. So I'll just kind of go over the rosters real quick for team Barry going to be Cade Cunningham, Dyson Daniels, Evan Mobley, Isaac Okoro, Alprin Tagoon. I don't think I said that right, Jason Tate, and then Franz Wagner. For team Isaiah Thomas is going to be Pre- Precious Achuawa. Can't say that. My bad. Sorry if I messed up your name, man. <laughs> then we got Desmond Bain, um, Sadike Bay, Anthony Edwards, Halliburton, Jaden Hardy, and then Isaiah Stewart from the Pistons. Team Peyton has LaMelo Ball, Scotty Barnes, Ayo Dasumi, Chris Duarte, Scoot Henderson, and then Jaden McDaniels. And then Team Worthy has Cole, Ander- Cole Anthony, Marjan Beauchamp. These guys are hard, man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Josh Giddy, Jalen Green, Herbert Jones, Tyrese Maxey, and Jalen Suck. Thank you for bearing through that with me, guys. I um, can't read tonight tonight obviously they they changed it up a little bit differently between the you know they'll have games one and two uh between the four teams and obviously game three will be that championship game do you do you kind of like this style obviously each team has you know about like six or seven players on it so they'll kind of you know be subbing in and out but i i like it i think it's kind of fun it keeps it different um it gives a lot it gives a lot of young players an opportunity especially kind of adding the, you know, the NBA G League developmental squad players in there. I think that's kind of cool. Um, what do you think? I like it. Um, mostly for the reason that you said you get a lot more young players to get more experience at the All-Star weekend. Um, more people participating is always good. And then I, I really like the fact that they're having the G League players partake as well, because that that really, you know, brings not only more attention to the G League, but gives it more recognition and it gives it I guess more I guess it brings a little bit more prestige to the league I want to say because I mean you got players that are playing it at the high school level that can go right into the G League instead of going into college so if 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 you're a a young basketball player and you're deciding do I want to go to the G League or do I want to go to college for a year you know you can see why someone would want to go to the G League you can get paid and you can partake in the All-Star in the, um, you know some events in the All-Star weekend. So I, I think that'd be I think it's great. Yeah. No, plus I think that's that's an event that needed to, to be changed up anyways. I think it was always kind of overlooked. Um and it, I think it's always been a pretty good event. It just never really got the recognition that it needed and you know revamping it the way that they did I think is good. Yeah. No, I I like I said I, I really like it and It'll be fun to see some of these G League guys and see if they can um, go out there and ball out. So, unfortunately, the most of the G League guys are the guys I messed up their names, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, we'll watch, to... watch the game this weekend or next weekend, and you'll hear how to pronounce it. Yes, that is true. That is true. <laughs> but moving on to some of the other events that are happening throughout All-Star Weekend, obviously we have the dunk, the three-point, and the skills contest. In the skills po- contest, they're doing something a little fun this year. So they have three different teams. It's going to be Team Rooks, Team Cavs, and then Team Antetokounmpo, um, which is an interesting one because I would almost I would almost be interested in seeing some sort of, you know, event that you put all the, all the brothers that were in the NBA and you put them out there and then had them do some sort of event. I think that'd be fun. But for the brothers challenge. Yeah, the bro. I don't know. You could do whatever you want with it. But for Team Rooks, you got Scotty Barnes, Cade Cunningham, and Josh Giddy. And that's that's a pretty good squad. Obviously, Team Cavs, because the All-Star Week is in Cleveland, which is awesome. You got Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, and Darius Garland. And then obviously Team Antetokounmpo has Giannis, Alex. And so what do you how do you think 
you know, how do you feel about this, the way it's been set up? And then which team do you think is going to take home the skills challenge? I think it's all right. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, and then I'm going to be a full homer here and say Team Cavs is going to win. Um, I do think that they, I, I think top to bottom, I think they have the best team. Um, you know, obviously the rookies are talented. Um, and, you know, no disrespect to the Antetokounmpo brothers, but it's really Giannis. Um, Thanis is, he's, he's developing, but he's really not really a regular starter. And then I, has Alex really seen any regular playing time? I think I think Alex is the one on his team, right? Or is he was he the one with the Lakers? I think he's the one with the Lakers. Yeah, I so think I don't think he really plays that much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think Team Cavs is gonna win this one. I mean, Jared Allen, he's been one of the best big men in basketball this year. Mobley's pretty much a lock for rookie of the year, and then Darius Garland is just amazing. Yeah, I agree. I'm gonna be a little bit homer. I think the Cavs will take it home. <laughs> hopefully. I mean, hopefully they take it home in their own their own stadium there, but I think if anybody's, if anybody else is going to win it, I think it's going to be team Antetokounmpo. Listen, Giannis is just amazing. I mean, yeah, he's obviously he's amazing. And his brothers, even, even if they become half as good as Giannis is, then they're still going to be great players. And, you know, and it it took Giannis almost like six years to really turn into what he is now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think his brothers still have a couple more years before that point and it'll be fun to watch. Absolutely. Moving on to the dunk contests, it's a little bit of a just. I feel like every year that we get a dunk contest, we get <sighs> players that we just have no idea who they are, or that just shouldn't be in the dunk contest. And there is a guy's name in here that I'm gonna mess up again, but it is what it is. Um, <laughs> and I apologize. yeah, this is another event that needs to be revamped. But it just it feels like ever since we got that battle between um, you know Zach Levine and is it Gordon Hayward? No. Um, oh, who was that? That, beg- that bugs me that I care that. But him. Yeah. And then obviously when um, Blake Griffin was in there dude, jumping over cars, like it just it just doesn't seem that fun anymore. Even Dwight Howard. Yeah. But this year they do have Cole Anthony. They have Obi Toppin, Jalen Green, and then Juan Toscano Anderson. There you go. I got it. Hopefully. Um, yeah, you got it. So – Again, I literally only know – I know Cole Anthony and Jalen Green. I think those guys are rookies this year. And then – Obi Toppin played at Dayton. He's in his second year. Yeah, so Obi Toppin. I don't even know who the one – I don't know who that is. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so – but Obi Toppin, I think, was in it last year, and he didn't do that well. So, I don't know. The dunk contest to me should be the, the, the best side event in All-Star Weekend. Like yeah. That, yeah. Should be, that should be the most fun thing to watch. And it's just, it's just really gone down. Yeah. We just haven't had very many good, like, I, I don't know. It just really sucks. I, I really like, don't understand why the stars don't want to partake in it. I, I, like, think I mean, we, we grew up watching, you know, Vince Carter and, you know, the, the late nineties, early two thousands dunk contests, even the, the 2010s dunk contests were amazing. And, you know, it seems like ever since, like, 20, what, 2016, 2015, like, it's just been just been bad. And you know what? I think the problem, too, is it's always been – it's always been more of a of a young a young guy's competition. So, at this point, you're not going to see a KD. You're going to see a LeBron. But it just feels like a lot of the young guys were just not getting very, like, good dunkers anymore. Like, and you know what? No, they're all three-point shooters. You know what's funny though is like you know John Morant would be a fun one for this. You know I don't think he's like I don't know if he's like the you know the best dunker, but he's an explosive dunker. You know what I mean? So it'd be fun to be like oh cool like John Morant's in this, you know, or maybe even if you went out there and got like Anthony Edwards to be in it, like it would just mm-hmm. be so much more. It'd be more fun because you're like okay cool like I know these guys are explosive dunkers. At the very worst, I'm just going to get some explosive dunks. Like, they don't need to be super flashy. But, yeah, just the, the since the game has transitioned into a more, you know, three-point heavy game, we just don't have as many dunkers. And to kind of go into the, the three-point competition, like, who the heck in this three-point competition do you even care about watching? Like, you got C.J. McCollin, Trey Young, Zach Levine, who Zach Levine was in the, you know, has won the dunk contest, so maybe he can win. Right, yeah, why isn't he partaking in it? But why is he in the three-point contest? I mean, I don't think he's a bad three-point shooter, but 
I don't, I wouldn't call him like, oh, wow, you're a pro- prolific, you know, three-point shooter. You got Desmond Bain, yeah. Carl Anthony Towns, which I'm just like, why? Why? Desmond, why? And, then, and then to top it off, you got Luke Kennard and Patty Mills. Those two, to me, just seem like, oh, let me just throw these guys in here. You know, I know I said we were going to have I, – I, I really think we're the, definitely the was like, hey. whole thing. <laughs> I, I honestly think they they put up a flyer. They sent a, a, a memo out to everyone like, "Hey, if you're interested in signing up for the three point contest, you know, reply reply all to the email." And they were the only two that replied all. No one else honestly, was interested. I don't, even give, I don't even give a damn. Just be like, "Hey, Clay, you want to come to the three point contest?" I know Steph said no because, but at this point, yo, Steph could beat all these guys in their sleep. Like, I think the only one that I'm, like, interested in seeing. can beat all these guys if he only shot backwards. Like, he can shoot everything backwards, and he'd still beat all these dudes. I don't know. I think I think Trey Young would beat if he was shooting backwards. That, that's that's probably the only one that, like, I'm kind of interested in seeing. But it's just, like, you don't – there's there's no guys on this list where you're like, oh, my gosh, they're automatic. Like, like what, could you not go out – maybe go out and get Seth Curry. You can't get Steph Curry, get Seth Curry. At least he'd be more automatic. <laughs> At least you get a Curry. At least you get a Curry. <laughs> Bring in Dell. Be like, yo, Dell. You know what? <laughs> you know what? I he he'd do better than Luke Kennard or Patty Mills. Goodness gracious! I'm just like, like I don't know. I I feel like they did a really good job with the Rising Stars Challenge. This the skills contest looks fun to watch, but I don't even know if I'm gonna tune into the dunk contest or the three point contest. Like, like why why would I want to go watch the three point contest where no nobody is gonna hit? you know, 20 points. Like, why, no. why would I want to watch that? You know what I mean? And I'll maybe- probably still watch it just because it's in Cleveland. But, yeah, if, if it was in literally any other city, and I would I not tune into any of it. I laughed at Carl Anthony Towns. But to be completely honest, he still has a chance to win it. He's, because the guys that he's going up against, it's not like they're prolific three-point shooters. So, Carl Neither Anthony is Towns, he. Huh? Neither is he. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not like he's going up against crazy competition. Like, Towns could come out here and win the three-point contest. That's that's crazy to me. Carl Anthony yep. Towns could win the three-point shooting contest. Like, I'm not saying Carl Anthony Towns is a bad three-shooter. Obviously, he's a big who can – but when you're talking about but the three-point contest, you're talking about the, the best three-point shooters in the league who are automatic from – like, that's not Towns. That's That's not really, you know – Fred Van Fleet. I think Luke Kennard is a probably, you know, one of the better three-point percentage shooters in this contest, but he's just not like, why would I want to watch Luke Kennard shoot in the three-point contest? Can we can we bring back Ray Allen? Yeah. Just bring him back for the three-point contest. Shit. You know what? I would rather watch LeBron in the three. Like at least, at least he's been, you know, he's progressively gotten better over his career at shooting three. So like but he'd, he'd take too much time looking down and then think that was right. <laughs> Trying to draw a foul, but he's really just shooting hoops on his own. Again, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I know I said was we were going to have more fun with this. We kind of just went to on the All-Star weekend. <laughs> anyway, we're going to move on to fourth quarter, the end of the game. Heck yeah, we're going to go over our games of the week here. So last week when David was hosting, he picked the, uh, the Memphis Grizzly and the D- Detroit Pistons game. I think that I predicted that the Grizz would blow out the Pistons, and they did. Oh, they, they did. Oh, they did. Uh, 132 to 107. I mean, do you have anything to add to this game other than the Pistons are garbage and John Morant's just in that Grizzly team are, are, are good I mean, something to watch? Obviously, the, the Grizzlies are, are one of the best teams of the league. John Morant is the real deal. But, I mean, the, the Pistons aren't garbage. Yeah, yeah, their record's bad, but they have – I mean, they, they got talent on this team. You know, Cade Cunningham is is going to be really good. Um, and then Bay has been, you know, playing really well for him. He's kind of emerged as arguably the best player on this team. Um, so, I mean, they got young dudes that they can build around. It's just they're, they're really young. Uh, they only have – they have three dudes over 30. They have Kelly Olenek, who's probably going to be gone at the end of the season – you got Corey Joseph and Rodney Magruder. Those are the only dudes over 30. So everyone else is between 20 and 23 years old. So they're, they're just young. Yeah, but that still doesn't mean like. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't, right, don't want right to be, now, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's just, but at the end of the day, like, I think I made this comment last week on this show. It's just for whatever reason, you know, Detroit 
franchises just don't know how to rebuild teams. And I'm hoping that the Pistons start to get it right because Cade Cunningham should be a pretty good player. And it's just, I think the the Grizzlies, they won this game the way they did because they're just so much farther in their development and rebuild, obviously. Um, you know, well, having John Moran helps. Yeah, obviously. And I just, I don't know. It, it's really, it, as a sports fan, it's really, it sucks to kind of see a franchise just continually not be able to figure it out. Like you kind of look at the magic. They just can't figure it out. And, you know, that was the Cavs for a long time. Obviously you said yep. with, without LeBron, we were literally one of the worst teams in basketball every single week. Without and, LeBron, we'd be where the Pistons are. That's, yeah. you know, and they well, just and they, they, yeah. they just could they could never figure it out. And then they finally figured it out. So I hope that the Pistons figure it out because, you know, basketball is fun when the Pistons are good and the Knicks are good. Um, it just like these are some, you know, the Celtics are good, the Lakers are good. Like this is fun basketball to watch. Obviously, I love when the Cavs are good. For me, that makes basketball fun. But just in general, like having some of these more like historically good franchises, you know, kind of get back to where they were. I don't know. It just it kind of sucks just see, seeing a game where it's 132 to 107. Like that sucks. I don't. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really know what else to say about it. But but moving on to the game that I'm picking to watch, it's going to be one of the last games before we get the All Star break, and that's going to be 76ers Bucks. I think that's going to be a fun game to watch because, again, that's going to be the one of the, the later games in the day. I think the, one of the last games before we get into all-star break. But I think by that time, we're going to get James Harden playing on the 76ers. And I know it'll be a little bit early, you know, in this, you know, experiment of James Harden and Embiid. But I think it'll be a fun game to watch and see how they go up against the defending champs and see how they choose to make that, you know, marriage work. So I just think that'll be a fun game to watch. Plus, anytime you get to watch Embiid versus Giannis, I think that's a fun game. Yeah, I agree. That that matchup alone is going to be, you know, worth the price of admission there. But I'm also going to be interested to see, you know, how Embiid and um, James Harden try to figure out how to play with each other. Because I think this is going to be the test period, because obviously they made this move for the playoffs. So from when he first steps foot on the court as a 76ers player up until the end of the season, that's going to be their trial period to kind of figure out how to play with each other. And obviously this game against the Bucks is going to be one of their first attempts of trying to play together. So I think watching that dynamic and watching these two really good players, you know, try to learn how to work with each other on the fly is going to be interesting. Definitely. Definitely. All right. We're going to try to hit our buzzer beater here. So we're going to go into our... I've never been good at those, but we'll give it a shot. All righty. So we're going to say if something is an overreaction or not an overreaction. And, you know, for this one, I just put some fun ones in here. I wasn't trying to be, you know, too serious with this one. Obviously, as we go throughout the season, we'll add some ones in here. No, you, you were like, mm, how can I stir the pot as much as possible? And I'm going to ask these questions. <laughs> that is fair, especially the last one. I think Dom will be upset with that one. But... To start it off, you know, I want to get your, you know, opinion, Dom. Is it an overreaction or not an overreaction? The Lakers will not make the playoffs. They will not make the playoffs. That's not an overreaction. I think they'll barely, barely make the play-in tournament, but I don't think they'll actually make Because let's I, not forget the play-in tournament is not the playoffs. And I, I think I think it's an overreaction. I think they barely squeak in. Um, you think they're going to get all the way to the, was it the sixth seed? Yeah, the sixth seed's the cutoff. You think yeah, they're going to get all the way to the sixth seed? Listen, I, I think right right now you got Denver as the sixth seed. I think you think they're better than Denver? I think if LeBron is as good as a leader as as everybody thinks he is, then him, AD, and Westbrook have to sit down with each other and be like, how how do we make this work? And I think that Westbrook is going to have to humble himself, and he's going to have to play a different role than what he's used. And if he does that, then yes, I think they do make the playoffs. If he doesn't, then I, I do think that they, they're a play-in tournament and maybe they even miss the playoffs. So for me right now, I think it's an overreaction. I think once we get a couple weeks past the All-Star break and we kind of see how those guys are playing with each other, you know, 
from this point and then a couple weeks past the all-star break, I think then that might change my mind to not an overreaction if they continue what they're doing. But as of right now, I'm just not going to go against LeBron because it just doesn't make any sense. Um, I'm just hoping they figure it out. So for me right now, it's, it's not, it's, it's an overreaction. Okay. Next up, I have the 76ers and the Nets will be the Eastern Conference Championship. Over- overreaction. Okay. <laughs> overreaction. You got to um, you got to you got to let me finish the thing, you know what I'm saying though. <laughs> I know I know you I know you were excited about your answer. But <laughs> no, listen, I the Nets got better, but I still you can't really rely on Kyrie uh, cuz he still can't play home games and you know, he already has his injury issues. You got KD, who is still an elite player when he plays, but again, he's had some injury issues. And you got Ben Simmons, who hasn't played all season, so we don't know what kind of form he's going to be in. So you got you got three. You still have three dudes that are pretty unreliable. You know, leading your team, and you got you know Seth Curry and you got um, Andre Drummond that are going to help out, but they're not going to carry you to a, a conference championship. Now, I, I think the 76ers gave up a lot of depth. Um, obviously, James Harden's going to give you more than what Ben Simmons was giving you because he literally wasn't playing. But I, I don't think just Harden and Embiid can carry you to a conference championship. Yeah, I agree. I, I think this is an overreaction as well. I think our final four teams that have a potential to make the Eastern Conference Championship, I think that we're going to see the Bucks the Bulls, the Heat, and I think the Cavs will be in the mix. Um, I yeah. think that, that those those four teams all around, they have really good depth. They play well together, and they just have some, you know, like I said, I think the Cavs don't have the same type of scoring that I would say the Bulls have, but I think that they deserve to be in the conversation just because of the way that they've been playing this year. Um, but I, I do I do think that the conference championship game is probably going to be Bulls heat, depending on where the seating lines up. That's just that's just my like I, I just like those two teams this year, um, especially the Bulls. I know they've had a little bit of the injury, you know, bug recently, but I think they get healthy and they make a, a pretty good push in the playoffs. And then for our third one, hopefully Dom lets me uh, finish this one to uh to this point in NBA history, is Zion Williamson one of the biggest draft letdowns? Overreaction or not an overreaction? I still think it's too soon. I mean, we knew, yeah, obviously the hype around Zion was huge, but we knew that there were pretty big red flags going into his NBA career. We, uh, From the moment he stepped on the court, he was the second heaviest player in the, in the league. And to play the way that he does you know, at, at such a young age, we knew the the injury the injury bug was going to be a problem unless he he really either changed how he played or you know slimmed down a little bit you know not to say that he was overweight but he he was just big and you know you you can't play as explosive as he does at the weight that he does and not get you know knee injuries or you know ankle injuries or foot injuries in this case um you know when he plays you know last year he averaged over 20 points a game his rookie year, I think he was 19 or, you know, damn near 20. So when he plays, he, he plays well and he plays, you know, pretty reliably. It's just he, he can't stay on the court. So I, I still think it's a little too soon. You know, it, if it if this continues and he misses the whole season and going forward, the injury issues are continually a problem, then then, yeah, I think he will be one of the biggest letdowns. But. I I think it's a little too too early. This is not a reaction. I think that when you talk about the way that the Pelicans have built this team and the excitement that came into Zion being a part of this team and him as a player. Now, obviously, I agree with you. I think that how big he was, he came in, you know, yoked like DK Metcalf and he would just he just had too he had too much body weight on him it wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. that he was you know he was too you know overweight he just was he's just too muscular and he just wasn't able to you know the the up and down and the side to side is just that's too much on your body especially when you're trying to be that explosive in this thing. and yeah. the injuries came with that but I think that there's 
I just, I don't know. It just, it sucks. It's so sad because like I said, they built that team around him. And if he was able to be out there giving them, you know, 20 and 2010 and six a night, like I think that that team would be in a completely different situation than what they are right now, because Brandon Ingram has, has been playing pretty solid for them. Mm-hmm. Obviously they got rid of Lonzo, but you know, Lonzo wasn't playing bad for them either. But and- I do like what they did at the trade deadline. They did. They they did. They did add some nice pieces. Uh, it's like I said. I just think they're continuing to build around him in hopes that he comes back. And I I don't know. It's just for me. It's been a really big letdown not being able to watch him play. And honestly, the hype around him coming into the league, what like they were comparing it to the hype that LeBron had coming in league. And for him to just basically not play for his first three seasons in the league. Like that's like he he really yeah. has it, a big red flag to me is the fact that he was he was supposed to return from this injury that he has he was supposed to return I want to say in November he like he should have been back for a couple months at this point and he's nowhere near ready like he very well could miss the whole season I th- I think it's more likely that he misses the whole season than plays this year. Well, and there, there, something, was, there were something. So you, you got to wonder how seriously is he taking his rehab? Well, and that's that's what I was about to say. There's tons of reports out there that he wasn't taking it seriously, that he was actually yeah. overweight. And that yeah, was, there, there's reports that he's over 300 pounds now. So I don't know. Like for me right now, it's it's not an overreaction. He, he's a pretty big letdown. And, you know, I hope that he figures it out and works it out because <laughs> I don't know. That just. Yeah. Well, if he does come back and play, he's going to be coming back to a pretty good team. Yeah. But talking about Zion, who is a, you know, a big muscular man, we're going to go to another big muscular man, but he doesn't play basketball. He plays football and he plays football in Cleveland where the, you know, all-star game is taking place. And Miles Garrett is a celebrity all-star in the celebrity all-star game. And a lot of people have been talking about how good he is at basketball for like, you know, a non NBA player, but I mean, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Go on. So I just kind of wanted to get, you know, your opinion on if it was an overreaction or not an overreaction that miles Garrett will actually go out there and really impress. And maybe he impresses so much that he gets a 10 day contract from it. Okay. Well, it's not an overreaction that he will impress because we've all seen the videos of him playing basketball. We know the dude can ball. I think it's no reaction that he's going to get a, offered a 10 day contract from a team. One, he'll turn it down. And two, the, the, the Browns will not allow that at all because they, they can't afford to have him get injured. Last thing they need is for him to get a 10 day contract from the Cavs. And he goes out in the first game and tears his ACL and he misses the whole next football season. Yeah, that would be bad. So That'd he'll, bad. he'll go out and ball. He won't take that seriously. He'll do some dunks, make some shots, but yeah. He's not getting a 10-day contract. <laughs> Obviously, this was a reaction. That's just a fun one. Like I said, I, I, they were so much hype on him with this celebrity game. I think it'll be fun. I think he'll be one of the more fun ones to watch. Um, I honestly wouldn't mind if they just replaced one of the guys in the dunk contest and added Miles Garrett. I mean, you know what? Yeah, I, I that would that would draw my attention. Honestly, yes. And you know what? That that would be a fun way to change up the dunk contest as well. Because there's, like, if, if you went out there and you looked at other sports and you were like, yo, anybody want to be a part of the dunk contest? And then also there's, like, there's a whole, like, professional dunking league. Like, why don't you go get one of those guys? Like, that'd be fun, too. You know what I mean? Like, right. like get, get maybe, like, get maybe, like, a couple guys from some different sports. Get a guy from that professional dunking league, you know, guy or woman. And then go ahead and, you know, pit them up against some of the some of the guys in the NBA and maybe add like a WNBA player in there too. I think that would be fun. Like maybe just like switch it up a little bit, add some different people in there. I think that that would be a fun time. And I think that would draw a lot more attention to that game as well too. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm, just for fun, I'm, I'm looking at the all-star or not all-star, but um, the celebrity rosters now. And I would love to see Miles Garrett dunk on Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> just just, just full on just poster him. You know what? You know what I'm also kind of sad about who's not a part of the celebrity all-star game? Um, the greatest like normal person at basketball ever, Adam Sandler. What the heck? You know what? 
you right. Like <laughs> he would be fantastic. First of he'd all, he'd also be one of the only people that I know. Looking at literally all of these people, I only know Machine Gun Kelly because he, you see him in the news all the time. He you know pretends to be from Cleveland, but that's for another story. You got the mayor of Cleveland participating. He's actually, gonna you got, yeah, yeah, he is on the roster. You got Booby Gibson, who, if you're a uh, you know early two thousands Cavs fan, you know him. And you got Miles Garrett. Literally everyone else. These can all be made up names because I do not know any of these people. There is there is a WNBA player on there though. I do see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but, I, again, I Booby Booby Gibson's kind of weird because. I mean, I guess he's older now. He still probably could ball, right? I mean, he he was all right. I mean, that's again. I mean, even 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 a retired NBA than the normal person. So like, oh well, yeah, obviously. But yes, honestly, Miles Garrett dunking on the mayor of Cleveland or Miles Garrett dunking on MGK would be fun to watch. So honestly, Miles Garrett dunking in general. Would be, so I'm pretty excited. No, absolutely. But I think I think we should reach out to the NBA and change up their their dunk contest. I think. Like, get get a honestly, just pull a normal person out of the stands and be like, "Yo, can you dunk? Awesome, let's go!" Like, I think send out the trampolines. Yeah, because there was I was talking not to keep this episode going. It's already been super long, but to, there was somebody that said, you know, it'd be fun for like the Olympics if they just brought like a you know they were like, "Oh, seat five J," and they brought like some normal person out there to like do to run like a race or something like that. Like, do out of the Olympics, that'd be more fun for the dunk contest. But you know, you know what I mean. But that's somebody said that, and that that made me think about the dunk contest of like you know seeing like what like the difference between these people that are just freak athletes compared to like the normal person be like just funny. Because you could you imagine like just some random guy who's just just they're like all right, get set, and he goes out there and he just smoked. Like I don't know, that just would be fun. I mean, I I would love to see that, especially all these you know armchair quarterbacks and armchair. Mm-hmm athletes are like oh wow how can you miss that i could have done that yeah yeah, yeah. now now's your opportunity to prove it can you really make that dunk bob you'd be like you'd be like oh row row x seat 52 and it's just like so (laughs) he comes out there and he's like yeah i I can dunk in my sleep (laughs) no anyway we've uh we've gone too long i I do apologize if this episode was we try to keep it fun but i think we kind of crapped on a few in the all-star game no we it, it was all just that, that we only crap we only crap on people and things that deserve to be crapped on that is fair and the dunk contest is it's it's shit so i don't i'm, I'm gonna keep that one in there i'm not even gonna cut it out <laughs> there, you go. there you go so but thank you guys so much for listening i think we had a really fun time talking about basketball obviously you know dom and i love it and um, you know, the Cavs are awesome. So if you're a Cavs fan and you haven't been watching it, obviously Dom and I said last week, bring it on back. Um, start watching the Cavs because this is a team that can compete for a championship this year. I, I think it's a little too soon to say that. I think next year is probably going to be a, a better, you know, year for that. But adding Karis LeVert's nice. So we'll see. But again, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, go ahead and go look at our Facebook page. You can see our rotation of episodes that we put out every single week. But other than that, I am Nick. I was joined by Dom today. And we are Nothing But Net, presented by Deep Dive Sports. Until next time. Thank you for listening to another Deep Dive Sports show. Make sure to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow our YouTube channel for more amazing content. Lastly, make sure you leave us a comment. We love hearing what you have to say. And as always, until next time, you guys, sports listeners.